Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better, simpler way to buy. With SeatGeek, with their seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person. SeatGeek will help you get closer to the action for a great value. They save you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available, too. Best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add Promo Code. Enter the promo code RINGERNBA. SeatGeek's going to send you $20 once you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code RINGERNBA today. NBA show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he has on Tuesday throughout the season, the great Kevin O'Connor. Kevin! Chris, I'm happy to be with the great Chris Vernon. What's going on, man? <laughs> How was your trip to LA? I saw you. I watched your videos. Yeah, it, was, it was fun, man. The dra- draft was a good time. I, I glad we got the big butler trade. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and then uh, I, I actually tweeted out, I watched your video, you were uh, very slanderous towards Lori Markinen. I found that to be unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think the quote was, he guards like he's six foot five and rebounds like a small guard. And I was like, wow, congratulations to the Bulls. Bulls get an F plus for their draft grade. F plus. How did you settle on F plus? You know, <laughs> I've been told that F plus and F minus isn't a real grade, but you know, whatever. I don't care. It wasn't wasn't quite an F, but it was it was wasn't quite a D either. That's why we settled on an F plus. <laughs> so what are we like? It's like a fifty nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> was it? It's been so long since I've been in school. Is that right? Isn't it? Wasn't it sixty a D? <laughs> wasn't that like barely making yes, it? You had to be below yes, six. Exactly. Below, yes, exactly. Below yeah, if we, if we were giving out grades on a one to ten scale, I would have given it like a five point eight. So I gave it an F plus. That, that's my reasoning for giving what is apparently not a real grade. There you go. All right. Well, at the end of the week, free agency is going to start, and we're going to talk about that at the tail end of the podcast. But we're going to start off with the award show was last night. The NBA award show and it was a show to announce everything but what really comes out of it is who won all of the awards before I get into the actual show it was mid-afternoon yesterday that it was announced that the all-defensive team included Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert, Kawhi Leonard, Chris Paul, and Patrick Beverly that was the first team and it seems as if the biggest source of controversy that came out of it was actually other players within the NBA outraged I don't maybe outrage is a strong word but um they were very surprised to not see Avery Bradley's name on any of the all defensive teams when you saw it was announced the all defensive teams did it stand out to you before they all mentioned it did it stand out to you that Avery Bradley was a deserving player that was not on there a a glaring omission or were there any other omissions that stood out no honestly like Avery Bradley not being on there is okay with me. Uh, I think I'm a little bit surprised that he didn't get more votes, but he didn't. He wasn't on my ballot for that, to be honest with you, and that's primarily just because of games played. Uh, the thing, thing that really sticks out to me is the fact that like so many players just came out of nowhere just to say this guy deserved to be there, and I think their voice matters, and I think it says something that so many of them really were, were putting their voice out there in support of Avery Bradley. I thought so too, right? I mean, I take what they say very seriously. Right, they know. They know who they don't want to face. Play the game. Yeah, well, they know who they don't want to face. They know who is a difficult player to uh, to go up against. Right, and and if Avery Bradley, he certainly has gotten the respect around the league from other guys. That when that list came out, enough people thought that was goofy that he wasn't on it. For me to at least think, hey, maybe he should have been on that thing. I'll tell you one thing, Chris. The fact like only a hundred media members decide all these awards that play so much into contracts and all that stuff is really disappointing. I think I think players deserve players have a voice and they deserve a vote. That that's just my main thing. They at least deserve a percentage of the vote. Maybe it's only 25%, maybe it's only 10%, but I think the player vote deserves at least some say in and what the vote actually is. And and I I think I think last night was a good example of that, which is how much people came out in support of Avery Bradley. 
in fairness, they gave the players a vote on the all-star teams, and many of them yeah. made a mockery of it. So Yeah, they screwed that up. Yep. They did. They made a mockery I, I, of it. And so, I, yeah, they did. I mean, Tony Allen, Tony Allen periscoped who he was voting for. He put, like, Luke Babbitt on the All-Star team. Like, he just made a mockery of the entire thing. And so it's like, all right, yeah. this is what – and I'm not saying they're, they all treated it the same way, but it's not like many of the players during the course of the season when the, when the media relations people sit them down and say, hey, you have to do this, it – it becomes like it doesn't become something that they want to take extremely seriously and research a lot. They just go and like it's something they have to do before they go eat and do whatever they want to do. And so they don't <laughs> right. I, I'm not I, I wish that there was a way to get the players to take something they voted on extremely seriously. But I've, it might be far fetched. Uh- I think there is. You just don't put every NBA player on the ballot. I think maybe you have a small, a smaller committee that decides a group of like, let's say, let's say it's for MVP. It'll be like eight players that can be voted on for MVP or for all defensive first team or or all, all, both all defensive teams. It can be a group of like 30 players that can be chosen from to choose the 10 players for both teams. Something like that, where you're not having these random ass dudes getting chosen for the teams by the players. And you're also not having people select Isaiah Thomas for second team all defense or Cody Zeller or or Damian Lillard you know what I'm saying like that that's what I think the solution is limit the amount of players that can be voted on which means that I think by default the vote has to be taken more seriously since only good players uh players who deserve to be chosen can can be selected the other thing is make it public who they voted for and I know that's a hard thing to do, but that's what they do with the media, and that's what kind of keeps people in line. Because you know if you don't vote for a guy, let's just say you don't, you don't like a guy. A guy, you know, cussed you out in the locker room or whatever, or blew you off for an interview. <laughs> like, you, if you hold that grudge and don't vote for them, like, they're going to release who you voted for. Like, so I will say in, in that sense, along with the media, though I don't think the media should necessarily be deciding this stuff, they do hold them accountable for it so that we can all point and laugh or say, what the hell are that, is that guy thinking voting for that guy? And speaking of that, can the NBA please release the executive of the year votes? Because who voted for Gar Foreman as executive of the year? Are you <laughs> kidding me? Come you know, on. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, it is post-trade, right? It is post-trade. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Oh, my I, goodness. I, he, I, he signed Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade. Come on. Was there any kind of deal that was made in the middle of the season? That the the opposing GM would have voted for him. I can't recall. They they traded the Taj Gibson, the Doug McDermott trade. Okay, so Sam Presti voted for him. Yeah, Sam Presti. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, "Thanks, Gar." Yeah, it was the campaign deal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that was part of the trade. He's like, "Okay, if we do this trade, I'll also vote for you as executive of the year." Okay, deal. That was part of the deal. I'll do it. All rookie yeah. <laughs> team was Malcolm Brogdon, Dario Saric, Joel Embiid, Buddy Heald, and Willie Hernan Gomez. Any problem with the starting all rookie team? Nah, I had Jalen Brown over Hernan Gomez, but you know it's, it's whatever. It, it was a toss up between those guys. I don't feel strongly about it either way. And I think it's fair to say, uninjured Embiid is certainly going to be the best of yes. these like right we will and yes. though he did not win Brogdon did win rookie of the year last night and that was mostly I mean listen I don't want to take anything away from Malcolm Brogdon because he had an outstanding it is very hard to have a good year as a rookie point guard and he did um so I don't want to take anything away from his season but we know that Embiid playing whatever it was 30 games is the reason he just couldn't stay on the court this past year um if he had if you extrapolate you know what he was doing even in the limited minutes he would have been the runaway rookie of the year but that was a function of he didn't didn't play enough games and I didn't think he played enough games I didn't think you know when people were bringing that up my opinion was you wouldn't vote for an MVP that only played this many games and you wouldn't vote for a defensive player of the year that played this many games and you wouldn't vote for a coach that coached that many games so Right? Like, why are we – I get that yep. we like him and he's hilarious on social media, but fair is fair. You can't, you can't give the award to a guy that played 30 games. 
Exactly. The, the best ability is availability, and, and that's where Embiid fell significantly short. And I, I think, I think, look, there's a case to be made that Embiid should have won Rookie of the Year for the 31 games he played and the impact he made in those games. But I think Brogdon was good enough over the full duration of the season that he deserved to be the Rookie of the Year. Uh, the other ones that came out, Hustle Award went to Pat Beverly. The performance of the year was Clay Thompson, 60 points in 29 minutes. I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, the kid hit 11 threes. That was like otherworldly and Booker who had 70 he lost in the game right yeah, so how about Devin Booker yeah I was gonna say Devin Booker scoring 70 I know but they lost. that came in garbage time though so I'm sure that's why Tom yeah exactly because he lost and Thompson uh didn't hit, get all the buckets in the garbage time either the playoff moment went to Durant's pull up three in in game three of the NBA finals I was fine with that I mean that is one of those shots that we'll remember for Maybe ever. I mean, basketball fans will remember that for a long, long time. And I thought the other ones were really good moments for sure. Isaiah Thomas with the 53 after the passing of his sister. John Wall's game winner. I mean, I honestly think I'll remember all of those things happening. Right? I don't. Uh, so I thought they did a pretty good job at least whittling it down uh, to those playoff moments. Got no problem with Durant. Uh, the sportsmanship award was Kemba Walker. I didn't. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I guess great. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what, what a great sportsman is. And frankly, Kemba Walker, um, you know, one of the things, I, I, I don't even know if I've heard Kemba Walker. I, I couldn't tell you what his speaking voice sounds like until last night. How, like, I mean, he's just, he's off the radar for the most part, right? But I was glad to see him get honored for being a great sportsman, Kemba. Uh, let's see what else we got. All the other ones played the form, didn't they? D'Antoni knew he was going to get coach of the year. Uh, rookie of the year, Brogdon. Sixth man, Eric Gordon. Most improved, Giannis. Defensive player of the year, Draymond. MVP, Westbrook. Like, there was no surprises from last night, would you say? Really no surprises at all. I, I had Iguodala over Gordon for sixth man of the year, but... Look again, like it's the type of thing where between those guys, you you could make a strong argument for Gordon, strong strong argument for Iguodala. I, I wouldn't argue against the choice. It was right. You know the one thing that I the one award that they gave out that I was like, oh man, that's messed up. Was they gave out the dunk of the year, and I love the Oladipo double pump from the baseline, right? The two handed, I love it. But Larry Nance deserved that. Larry Nance straddling. Brooke Lopez from like 20 feet away and then finishing that dunk <laughs> and uh Ian Eagles call of it is unbelievable like Larry Nance I thought got robbed that's like literally of the show last night the only thing that I was like oh boo that was the only award that was given out that I thought was a miscarriage of justice I thought Larry Nance Jr.'s dunk should have been dunk of the year I'm with you Chris Totally. I you mean, it, that dunk was unbelievable. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, that should have been a choice. I mean, it, 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 everything from like the reaction, like you said, to the call, like and that all plays a factor in like just how enjoyable it was. I, I'm surprised the Oladipo won um, out of those three choices. Even even Levine's, I thought, arguably could have been better than Oladipo's for that matter. Yeah, whose was Oladipo on? I can't remember. Who did he dunk on? I, I think it was Dwight. It was it was Dwight Howard, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it was on. It was on Dwight Howard. Yeah, okay. And Dwight is a good subject. So, There's no doubt about it. But I, I don't know, man. Brooke Lopez is a he is a great dunk victim in my estimation. As is Alex Lynn. <laughs> I mean, they're both big stiffs. I like the big stiffs getting dunked on the most because I think they take it the worst. Right? It's almost like Dwight's. I don't know. It doesn't. I know he he clearly gets dunked on, but I don't think he. I don't think it's as big of a massacre, and I don't believe it's as soul-crushing as the other two. The other two it would just be like, I, I mean, you just want to quit basketball when that crap happens to you. <laughs> I, I think I think part of it is just a lot of people just don't like Dwight Howard, so it made it more enjoyable for the fan side of things <laughs> in some ways. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I, all in all, I will tell you that I was I was critical at first of the of the award show. I like the awards being announced during the course of the playoffs. Um, you get all this extra motivation. The guys that feel snubbed. There's the guy that won the MVP versus the guy that should have won the MVP. And then you get to watch them play each other um, in many cases. And so, but 
and and, and so it was going to be a couple weeks after uh, after the season ended. But there it was last night. Obviously, we've been doing the reads for it uh, on this podcast, and so I went out of my way and I watched the thing last night. I settled in and watched it, and I will tell you, I thought it was much much better than I thought it was going to be. Much more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Um, Drake is a really good host. I don't care what anybody says. The guy is a very good host. He's a very good entertainer. Um, for a guy that that's not his gig, he he's great at delivering jokes. I kind of liked how they would throw it over to Ernie Kenny and, and Charles and Shaq, and, and those guys are always entertaining to me. Um, the Nicki Minaj thing was weird just because, I, I mean, we got the Harden meme out of it, right? That was good. Because Harden looked like he was willing to risk it all. It's like his eyes—he he was in a trance. His, his eyes were popping out of his head. Nikki had that uh, has that effect on him. But anyway, it's just—it's it's weird that they're set up like it's like a dinner That's theater. An on a lot of people. Yeah. Well, how about you? You like? Are you a Nikki fan, Kev? Yeah, she's cool. Yeah. Would you risk she's it all, cool. Kevin? <laughs> What, 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 what did I give up that MVP award, though? <laughs> it's weird to see Nicki Minaj perform, though, in front of, like, a dinner theater. Like, that's how it feels with the tables that are all set up, and they're all just kind of drinking out of their glasses. It looks like they're all sitting down for dinner, you know, and then here's Nicki Minaj you know, Chris, performing on the stage. I'll tell you what, Chris. I, I didn't tune in until the end of the show, like when Russell Westbrook was having a speech, because I was traveling home yesterday, and I didn't get to watch it. So I've only I've followed it through Twitter, and I watched some YouTube highlights before doing the podcast today, just so I wouldn't be totally out of the loop. And, like, I, I'm with you. We're like, I didn't see it, but I get the vibe that a lot of people liked it. People seem pleasantly surprised. And I think that's a good thing going forward. The only issue people seem to have is the timing of it. Yeah, no, I was I was pleasantly surprised with the with the show. I thought the show was good, um, and, I, uh, and so you, there's a couple great moments in it. Obviously, the Harden Minaj thing was great, just because that can become something that <laughs> something that remains on the internet, and that's what you need. You need those moments that will remain on the internet. The other thing was they gave Bill Russell an award last night. And he went up there, and they've got five of the all-time great centers. They've got Alonzo Mourning. They've got David Robinson. They've got Kareem. They've got Shaq, uh, Dikembe Mutombo. These guys are all up on the stage. And the first thing Russell does when he walks out, and we're going to make this the Captain Morgan moment of the week. Uh, Bill Russell last night walking up to the five great all-time centers that are up on stage to receive a Legacy Award walks up and the first thing he says is he gets into the microphone. First they give him his cane and then he leans into the microphone and he points to each one of them one at a time and he said, I would kick your ass <laughs> to all of them. And it was this <laughs> and then he starts laughing and it's this amazing moment. Like He just totally won the award show. The place exploded. That's the Captain Morgan's moment of the week. No matter how you live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. I mean, listen, you know I can't get enough of Bill Russell. I love Bill Russell. And them with those big stars. And Kareem was the one that did like most of the talking or almost all he did all the talking in uh, giving him this award. And just seeing them being honored at like this whole NBA family thing they've got going. It was pretty special. And and I love I love Bill Bill Russell like for real thinks he could kick those guys' asses, which I love. I love that. My favorite my favorite moment of that was just Russell's laughter after yes. saying that. Like he he knew he stole the show that that minute that that with that statement. And I honestly think if you could bottle up his laugh like I feel like it could cure every disease. It is the best <laughs> laugh in the world, man. It, it really is. And then so you have this funny moment that goes on, and then you have this insanely emotional moment, which is we've not heard much. There's a great Chris Ballard uh, Sports Illustrated article written about Monty Williams, but you haven't heard much from Monty Williams since the tragic passing of his wife. And, and then that unbelievable service uh, that he did um, at, at, at the funeral. And so... You have this moment last night where Craig Sager, they're giving away the Craig Sager Award last night, and they give it to 
Monty Williams, who goes up and he gives this. You know, first, they honor Craig and they show all kinds of different things about Craig's life. And they have done an amazing job with that. Like, they're not letting anyone forget about Craig Sager um, it, with this NBA family, with Turner, everybody. And I love how they continue to honor him. And then you have this moment where Monty Williams gives up there and he gives this speech about raising his kids after the passing of his wife and he talks about the strength to go on or whatever and so you have this moment with the Bill Russell it makes me laugh and then like it was almost impossible to keep a dry eye during this montage of Monty Williams and you see all the other guys like you see Durant crying about it and you see Popovich welling up with tears about it and all these different it was just it was just this extremely heartfelt moment and Monty Williams by Every account of everybody I know within the NBA, like, people l- swear by him, Kevin. Like, you won't find anybody that will tell you Monty Williams is not a great guy. And so that whole thing playing out the way it did last night, I thought it was really special. And that doesn't happen unless you have a show like that last night. Yeah, man. It, it, was, it was a beautiful moment. And it's always good to see things like that honored. You know, that show of strength. And just not only that, but the, the community of the NBA really coming together for someone going through a hard time. It, it was a really cool thing to say and see in a really beautiful moment. Yeah. So all in all, in between the moments that we got out of the show and then I got to be honest, I thought Westbrook was great. I thought his speech was great last night. Um, how his wife didn't cry was pretty unbelievable. Um, I saw people applauding her, females that I follow on Twitter, for not allowing how strong she had to be, not allowing her makeup to get messed up, <laughs> right? She wasn't going to cry. And, <laughs> and, 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 and you get all dolled up for an event like that. You don't want to smear it everywhere just because your husband won the MVP. But in between him talking about his mother, his father, his brother, I mean, it was by far the realest Russell Westbrook has been, no question. Right. And I know a lot of people that have worked in Oklahoma City and they swear by him. And we don't we don't really get to see that. Right. With the interactions with media. He is not a media favorite by any means in terms of in the locker room. He's not the kind of guy that you go to to get a great quote. Um, Most of it's, you know, the media feels like a nuisance to him or that's how it comes off. Um but then last night when he gets this award, I, I thought to myself, you know what we should do, Kevin, in, in terms of like media people wanting to get uh, great quotes out of Russell Westbrook and have him – like somebody in the media should just hand him a trophy after every game and then let him talk. <laughs> you just hand the guy a trophy. He's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, every, every time he gets a triple-double after the game, he gets a trophy. Mm-hmm. Just hand him a trophy and then start asking him questions, Russell Westbrook. But I thought he was good. I really did. I thought he was really yeah. good. Yeah. I, I, by far yeah, the most likable he has been in a talking setting. Yeah, it was like it was like a nine minute speech. So he made up for all the all the short answers he gave during the season in one one moment. It, it was yep. it was cool to see him get so real like that. Yeah. So that was good. So all in all, I thought the show was pretty good last night. Um, we got to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. When we come back, free agency is kicking off this weekend. And we're going to talk about some of the big Ooh. stories leading into free agency after these words. Today's podcast brought to you by Hotel Tonight. If you're like me, you're not so great at planning ahead, and I've got great news for you. There's an awesome app called Hotel Tonight that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. It sounds counterintuitive, but unlike flights, hotel rates usually get cheaper at the last minute. And Hotel Tonight helps hotels sell their unsold rooms, allowing them to pass those savings on to you. These aren't last resort places. They're actually cool, top-rated hotels you want to stay in. And with so many partner hotels in a ton of different countries, Hotel Tonight can help you find a great hotel almost anywhere. It's perfect for a spontaneous getaway or finally going on a trip you've always been waiting to go on. Say you're going out of town for a game or you're going out of town for a concert or you're making some kind of a last-minute trip. Get that Hotel Tonight app so when you're going to that other town, you can just stay for a night. You can stay in a nice hotel and you can stay there at a better price than you can get anywhere else. Because even though the app's name is Hotel Tonight, you can book up to a week advance. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. So get in on these killer last-minute deals and download the Hotel Tonight app now. 
All right, Kevin, so free agency is right around the corner. I'm going to go through these guys one by one, list of free agents, the big free agents, right? And we'll just try to burn through them, and we'll talk about whether or not we think that they're going to go back to their team or we think they're going to end up somewhere else. And it gets dicey by the time I get to the third name, okay? So top two are obviously Durant and Curry. I guess the big question with them is, do you think they, one or both, both take less than what they could get? Certainly they'll take less in years, but will they take less in terms of dollars in order to, it kind of felt like Iguodala was letting on that he was going to stay there and that there would be a press conference with all of them, which made me think like that they may sacrifice some money in order to try to keep their guys together and that that may be the play that Durant and Curry make. What do you think? I think Durant will. I mean, there's already been some rumblings about that anyway. And uh, as for Stephen Curry, I have a feeling he'll get the full max. Okay, so you think Curry's the one. Well, his last contract, he's been the best bargain in basketball by a very wide yeah, margin. Exactly. So and, he need- and they're going to make it up up to him for Steve Kerr forgetting to mention him in their parade parade speech afterwards. He forgot to mention Steph Curry. Only, 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 yeah, yeah. Steve Kerr forgot to mention Steph at, at the parade. <laughs> you didn't see that? Oh, oh no. Yes, yeah, Steve, no. Steve Kerr said he felt horrible about it. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that completely. So, I didn't so know he... how, what, what better way to make it up than give him the full max? <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Uh, now we get to the. Now we're getting to the other names. Chris Paul. I. I re- he was just named, right, president of the Players Association. He was the one that, you know, fought for that suit. There's so much going on here because there's a lot of people that think that he's got an interest in going somewhere else. I I would be very shocked. I really would. After you fight for that deal that clearly benefits you, allowing, you know, to be uh, an older age and still be eligible for a contract that runs longer, um, I've got to believe that they would give him the full max. And so that being said, he'd be turning down a massive amount of money to go elsewhere. And being that he is the players associate uh, leader of the players association, I think I'd be very surprised if Paul's not a clipper. What say you? I have a hard time with this one, Chris. I really do. Cause I wonder how much of his decision has to do with what Blake and JJ Reddick do. And if they leave, will, will he be more likely to leave? Or if they leave, will the Clippers be more willing to be like, Hey, we'll give you a no trade clause. Please stay, please stay. I, I, I don't know. I don't know which way I lean with Chris Paul. Part of me, part of me thinks he's just going to end up staying, uh, just going to stay in LA and then try to make their push for LeBron next year. So I would lean towards him staying, but at the same time, like I think Spurs rockets, both of them will come hard. And you know he's got so much going on right there. He's like the face of State Farm, and he's got he's got real endorsements, Paul does. And the other thing is Jerry West is now a consultant. I cannot fathom a scenario where Jerry West thinks we don't need that guy, right? Of all the guys that you don't need there, like if you have if, – if Blake goes somewhere else, I kind of think Blake might go somewhere else. And that Me too. because he's been injured the last couple of years. I mean, they've clearly gotten by without him yet. They have had a very difficult time getting by as a very good team without Chris Paul. So I think uh, the value there is we just bring back Chris Paul. And then if Blake goes, he goes and, and they're kind of, and then they can amp up for maybe next off season. No, I'm with you. I, I think Paul Paul is one of those top 50 all-time players that you don't want to let go of. My concern would be is if he does demand a no-trade clause, do you really want to give that to him with a five-year full max deal? That that gets difficult. Uh, I don't know if he will demand a full a fi- uh, the no-trade clause, but at the same time, it would make sense for him to do it considering the, the Clippers are kind of in a potential transition phase. And if you really do want to stay there, then you want the no-trade. Um, I, I just don't know if I'd feel comfortable giving that if I'm the Clippers. Yeah, it would be just so much more money. That's why I don't think he's going to go anywhere. But that because because you got to take that into consideration when you're talking about a lot of these things. The next guy we're going to talk about, it's not that much le- uh, more money if he stays where he is, and that's Gordon Hayward. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. If Hayward goes elsewhere and does the short contract and then re-ups, it is a minimal difference between the maximum amount of money he could make over the course of the next eight years. Um, I can't act like I can get inside Gordon Hayward's mind. People that cover that team and know that team say that, you know, 
is uh, the guys he rolls with are like George Hill and Joe Inglis, which they're both free agents too. Um, you know, in terms of like guys that would be able to recruit him back. Um, you know, like you know, because that that matters. You do need guys that can recruit you back to say, like, hey, you know, we want to build this together. We really want you back. Whatever. I know they're doing the campaign and they really want him back and they're trying to make him feel loved in Utah, but I think he may go somewhere. What do you think, Hayward? I think uh, I think he'll probably leave. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, at the same time, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he signed like a one and one to go back to Utah for a year and try to get um, on the. Uh, all NBA team, so he can get the Supermax. That wouldn't stun me either. But I, I ultimately think he'll leave Miami, okay. Boston, those two destinations. He can compete for a title and still get paid big money. All right, what I'm going to do is go through these 10 biggest names that are entering free agency or free agents this offseason, and then we'll talk about some guys that are a little off the radar that I'm interested in seeing what they're going to do. Uh, Millsap. This one's interesting, right? I don't think Atlanta's going to give him the full max. What do you think? I think Atlanta should have blown it up. Missed their chance. Blow it up! <laughs> Blow it up! All right, so you think Millsap's going to get big money, but it's not going to be at Atlanta. I, I just don't think he's going to – I don't know. I think the time there's done. I don't think they're going to max him out. And if given a choice, if you're Paul Millsap, again, are you making a money decision and are you leaving a lot on the table to go elsewhere? I, I don't know. I, I don't think he's going to have to leave a lot on the table to go elsewhere and to go to possibly a better situation, right? Well, I, I like Denver for Millsap. Uh, there was the report the other day that the Nuggets will chase Paul Millsap and Blake Griffin. I, I don't really see Blake going to Denver, but Millsap would make a lot of sense for their roster. It would make a hell of a lot more sense than trading a bunch of bunch of good assets for Kevin Love. That's for damn sure. I, I, I don't get that. I, I, don't, I wouldn't get trading for Kevin Love when Paul Mil- signing Paul Millsap could be an option. You have been very hard. I don't want to say hard. Uh, maybe hard stretching it. But you have been, I think you've been hesitant to buy into future Blake Griffin, right? The, you have chronicled his many, many injuries, um, many of them different over the course of the past several years. Uh, many people have brought up Amari Stoudemire when it comes to Blake that you're just looking at the new Stoudemire and it's not going to be he's not going to be able to hold up for an extended amount of time his best days are behind him but those guys are both right there entering free agency in Blake Griffin and Paul Millsap which would you rather have Blake I'd rather have Blake and I, I am just completely fascinated to see what he gets this summer, Chris, because I've talked to a lot of different people just to try to figure out like what the sense is Blake could receive this summer, and a lot of people don't think he's going to get the full max, so they don't think the Clippers will offer the full five-year max. They don't think some some opponent teams will offer the, even the full four-year max, uh, which would be around, I think, I believe, off the top of my head, maybe $128 million, $127 million, something like that. So maybe Blake ends up getting like four years, 110, or four years, 100, something like that instead, uh, less than the max. So, look, I think Blake is a better player uh, than Millsap. He's a better player than Gordon Hayward. The only thing holding Blake back is is the injuries, and that's why like I'm so I'm so interested to see if a team takes that gamble on him because he provides higher upside for your team, and, and despite the injury risk, I, I don't know. Like you could end up screwing yourself. You mentioned Amari Stoudemire, and it's certainly possible that, that he's he is the next Amari. But at the same time, man, like if he has a healthy year, maybe he's what gets you over the edge and gives you actually a chance at the Warriors. Well, the other thing is he's younger, right? <laughs> I mean, he, though he though he is at the injuries, he's younger than Millsap, right? Uh, yeah, he Blake, is younger. Blake's twenty eight right now. What's Millsap? Thirty two, I believe. Thirty two. Yeah. All right. So you got four years difference. So you'd rather have Blake? I would too. Um, I kind of think he may be on a different team. I think Paul will be with the Clippers, and I think because they have been able to win without Blake. That, again, we're talking about the money decisions, and you said you don't think he's going to get the full max. So at that point, right, we know the hometown teams that that's the, that's the punitive measure, that you have to turn down a lot of money to go play somewhere else if they're going to throw a max deal at you. You have to leave a lot of money on the table, and 99% of these guys are unwilling to do that. And in these two cases that we just spoke of, I don't think Millsap. I don't. I, I don't think Atlanta will offer him the full. Therefore, 
making the decision may not be, uh, you know, you may not have a big money decision to make. And I think the same could absolutely be true with Blake. And then at that point, you are, if you're taking that out of the equation, and that usually is the biggest priority for these guys, because um, it's very hard to look at one contract that pays you $50 million more million than the other one, or even $25 more million than the other one. If, if the numbers are going to be close, and it seems like in a lot of these scenarios the numbers can be close, that's where I can see these guys switching teams. But, I, again, I don't know them personally. I don't know what motivates them the most. I don't know in somebody like Blake Griffin's case if he just really wants to stay in Los Angeles. I'm just saying it feels like these two big-time players, money is not going to be a massive factor, right? It's possible. Like, you know what, what thoughts on mine, Chris? This is what I'm writing about for tomorrow uh, with the Spurs is wouldn't Blake be interested for San Antonio like in an offense where the ball moves side to side where he could get more ball handling opportunities? Like if they were to trade Aldridge and then fill fill the Aldridge cap space with Blake Griffin? I mean, don't, don't doesn't that make some sense? Like he could play that point role for them with Tony Parker out. I, I, I just think Blake would be really, really cool in San Antonio. I think Popovich could maybe un- un- unlock him. And you talk about him next to Kawhi, you want to talk about athletic. Woof. Those two? Un- unbelievable. Yeah. Because I mean, uh, one, one of the biggest disappointments in recent league history is Doc Rivers' just misuse of Blake Griffin. I, I, I would love to see him in San Antonio. Charks wrote about him being a point guard today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, me and Charks are really on the same page with Blake. Uh, I don't know about full-time point guard, but, like, I wrote a thing last year for, like, Doc Rivers, he could use Blake more, you know, stagger his minutes with Chris Paul and use him more as a point when Paul's off the floor and, like, run more pick and roll with DeAndre Jordan. That's, like, exactly what Charks was getting at. It, like, with today's article, it's just, like, he's capable of more as a point guard, more as a ball handler. So make, make him a power guard. Make him a point forward. Put the ball in his hands and, and let him do what he does best. And I, I think he could do that in San Antonio. I think he could do that in Boston. And and that's, that's what I – I can't get that thought out of my mind with Blake Griffin that he could be even better than he's been with the Clippers that he he has another level that the Clippers really didn't let him reach and it's not really Doc's fault or anything else it's the fact that he played with one of the point, greatest point guards of all time and Chris Paul so in another another situation he could reach that next level and I, I just feel like it's there I could be wrong but I would love to see love to see a team try it out at least yeah, for anybody that wants to go check that out, Jonathan Charks wrote it on TheRinger.com today. Seriously, let Blake Griffin play point guard. And he said, if you're going to give Griffin a contract north of $100 million, why keep him trapped in the box that has limited him for years? So you and you and Charks obviously preaching the same gospel on, uh, on your thoughts on Griffin. Uh, the next guy that we need to talk about is very fascinating, and that is Kyle Lowry. Now, the rumors were all that Kyle doesn't want to go back and that he's going to go somewhere else. He kind of shot them down via Twitter and said, I didn't say that stuff. And so we will find out. Now, you were, and this is where this all started, with the Toronto, blow it up. Um, (laughs) This is where you became Kevin O'Bomber wanting to get rid of the, (laughs) you 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 wanted to bomb out the Toronto Raptors. That being said, I and I and I posted this uh I don't know, it was a couple weeks ago when Bruce Arthur, the outstanding columnist out of Toronto, put a column up about uh everything going on with Lowry. It it coincided with Griffin getting ousted in Cleveland. And a lot of people around the league think that LeBron could go elsewhere. Now, do you then, Kevin, change your opinion a little bit if we think that there is a good possibility that LeBron James is not wearing a Cleveland jersey and that the prospective uh, destinations for him seem to be Western Conference teams, that maybe your window extends if you are someone like Toronto. And so don't blow it up because your year to be able to get to the NBA Finals might just be a year away once LeBron is no longer in the Eastern Conference. What do you think? Um, It might change a little bit there, but... The blow it up plan for me, like with the Raptors, would be you bring back Kyle Lowry, you see how the season goes, and maybe you trade him in February. I mean, you don't want to lose him for nothing, right? I'd rather uh, have Lowry. Am I like, crazy? I'd rather have Lowry than DeRozan. I would. I, the going, you. I, the, I, I would too. DeRozan's I would too. the one I'd trade. 
He is. I'm with you. I, I think DeRozan, like, he, there's a, there's always a chance he extends his range to three, and if he does, he's going to be unbelievable. But he has yet to prove, like, eight, nine years in his career that he can. So I think I think until he does that, it's going to be problematic for him to score efficiently in the playoffs, and you're not going to win in the playoffs unless you score efficiently in the half court. And the thing for Lowry, Chris, is, like, where where is he going to go? Like, what team actually needs a point guard? And what team needs a max point guard that's 32 years old? That's where I have a hard time finding another spot for for Kyle Lowry like who who would need him well he would just be taking less money to go elsewhere right when you're talking about the San Antonio's of the world I mean yeah. Tony, Tony Parker's not getting any younger yeah, or Patty Mills will probably get Chris a lot Paul of money leaves then the Clippers need a point guard right I mean I, 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 yeah there's not not a lot of spots Minnesota maybe if they trade Rubio and open up some cap space well yeah and by the way Kyle Lowry is awesome <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, he's awesome. Like, yeah, Love he's him. awesome. He's awesome, and I think he's a bulldog, and you can win with a guy like that. Um, so DeRozan would be the guy. Also, the next name I'm going to get to, I would not pay Ibaka a lot of money. I know you traded for him, but if I'm Toronto, I'd let him walk. I don't. I, I don't. I, I. I would not spend a ton of money on Serge Ibaka. I've never been a huge fan. All of my media friends always loved Serge Ibaka. Talked about him being the third guy in Oklahoma City. I've always thought he was overrated, and you know the defensive numbers didn't even hold up last year when he was playing in Orlando or Toronto. He is not the quote defensive force he used to be. Um, I just. I mean, I would. I. I, I would not pe- spend a lot of money on Serge Ibaka. What about you? I wouldn't either. I have a feeling he's somebody that a team out there will overpay, though. Just seems like that type of guy. We're like, oh yeah, maybe we can turn him turn him into what he used to be in Oklahoma City five years ago. When really, it's like, no. He, chances are, he is who he is now. Defense has regressed. Rebounding has regressed. Score scoring uh, has improved from three point range, but at the same time, he's still not a knockdown guy. Um, I think I think Ibaka is a, is a good player, but he doesn't deserve to be paid like a great player, which he could be. Well, and imagine how many you know how many open shots guys get when they're playing with with great players, right? When you're playing with John Wall or you're playing with Russell Westbrook or whatever. Ibaka was in a situation for the first whole part of his career. He was playing with two of the best players ever. Literally ever in Westbrook and Durant. And and at some point he had Harden on his team. And other points they always had another third guy, third guard, whether it was, you know, Kevin Martin or whether it was Reggie Jackson or whoever it was, right? Another perimeter guy. Deion Waiters um, for a spell there. And so I just think that he was always – the more attention you give Serge Ibaka is the less good he is going to be. And I felt like he thrived because of the situation he was in. That was my opinion. He's not a great rebounder either, right? I mean, I need a guy that's going to go in there and, like, you know, snatch me rebounds. He might also not be 27 years old. So you need to factor that into the equation, too. Just saying. Fair enough. Uh, all right, we got two more to get to. Big free agent names. George Hill. Where are we at on George Hill? I like George Hill. Do you like, like George it. Hill? I think he's... Yeah. Middle of the pack, right? Starter. Yeah. Yeah. Do I feel good, good. with George Hill going up again? Yeah, right. You got to think when it comes to big playoff series, What? how far down the list do I have to get to before I feel like I have an advantage at point guard? It's pretty far, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's probably not playoff teams. The question I always ask myself with a guy like George Hill is, who is going to be the team that overpays? Like, who is it going to be, right? Because there always seems to be one of those teams out there that has cap space, they want to make a push for the playoffs, and they just overpay like crazy for one of these guys. And I just wonder, who will that be for George Hill? Because like like we said with Lowry, there's not a lot of teams that need a point guard. So uh, I I don't know. I mean, there was a report earlier this week, or last week rather, that George Hill and the Spurs have mutual interest in a reunion. Uh, Maybe the Spurs could get him for a fair price, and he could kind of be a stopgap until Derek White and DeJounte Murray are ready. That's always a possibility. I would like him with San Antonio. Um, but will a team just overwhelm him with a, a ridiculous offer somewhere out there on the market? I don't know. But there, there always seems to be a guy that does get that type of money. Would you rather have, and this is the last name, would you rather have George Hill or Drew Holiday? I think this is a good argument. Do I have Do I have a third option? Like, do, <laughs> I'm looking for a way out, Chris. <laughs> 
All right, here, I'm, I'm going to give you, uh, let, let's just say they both take the same contract, and I'm going to give you, whatever, $80 million. And you, you can give it to one or the other one. Who would you give it to? Uh, oh man, I think I think both of them. I mean, they're so similar in the sense that they both suffered like injuries over their career too. I know it. <laughs> uh, I think I'd go with Drew Holiday because he's younger, four years younger. Um, maybe he theoretically has some room to improve, whereas George Hill is a little bit closer to the wall for a point guard at 31 years old. So, Drew Holiday, because of the youth factor, four years younger, might have a little bit more room to grow. All right, let's get to four other names that I had jotted down that I'm super interested to see where they end up. Two of them are Spurs, Patty Mills and Jonathan Simmons. Patty Mills in a day, Patty Mills is not going to be a starter, right? Like I don't think, uh, I don't think, I think it'd be miscast for somebody to take Patty Mills and try to make him their starter. Um, but he is the best uh, backup there is outside of. I mean, maybe if you want to argue Sean Livingston and Golden State, but he's up there. There, in, in, a, in a league that is not filled with great backup point guards, Patty Mills is a great change-of-pace player to bring off your bench and has been very good for the Spurs for a long, long time. This might be a good payday for him. Um, you think he You think he makes a ton? You think he gets a big contract? I do, but here's the thing. If I'm one of the 29 other teams in the league, I'm thinking to myself, like, when is the last time a Spur left the Spurs and been good somewhere else? I mean, uh, look maybe, at look at their free agents. Maybe Corey Joseph. Corey Joseph, yeah, Corey Joseph has been solid, but he hasn't really necessarily elevated his game. Stephen Jackson, way back in two thousand three, uh, was better when he left. Um, but you look at other guys like Gary Neal, Dewan Blair, Ian Mahini, Aaron Baines, Boban. It's like a, they have a long list of guys who have left through free agency, and they haven't really panned out elsewhere. Remember the um, remember so the that's splitter deal. Wondering. Remember the Splitter deal? Yep. People thought that that was a yeah. good deal yep. for Atlanta. I haven't heard, you haven't heard Tiago Splitter's name in three years. If Splitter got hurt, but even him, like even with opportunity, you're right. Like he hasn't even been quite as, quite the same either. So I don't know. There, there's a long list of Spurs that have left, and they, they they haven't been able to produce at the same level in other destinations. So if I'm a team looking at Dwayne Deadman or Patty Mills or Jonathan Simmons, I'm thinking about that a little bit. Um, obviously these guys are independent players and history necessarily doesn't matter uh, for them but at the same time I do think it, it is a thought that has to run through your mind at least a little bit because when you're evaluating the Spurs you're evaluating these guys in like the best possible situation they can be in um, so it, it's just something to think about super interesting on somebody like Simmons because he was a big breakout in the playoffs I mean he was great great he came out of nowhere yeah for sure He's old too. He's he's he'll be twenty eight next season. What? It's not like he's only twenty four years old. Yeah, he'll be twenty eight next year. I had no idea that Jonathan Simmons was twenty eight. Here's the other thing with Simmons, man. Twenty eight, like, really good. Like, yeah, 20, he'll be twenty eight next year. I yeah. was like, he came I out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> what? The, the other thing with Simmons, man, is like as. As good as he was in the playoffs, he's still not like a great shooter. I mean, you look at his numbers with the Spurs. You look at his numbers prior to his time with the Spurs. He's never been really a knockdown three-point shooter, uh, whether it's in the D-League or or in college basketball. And now with the Spurs, it's like, I don't know. I mean, may, maybe you're paying for something that you're not actually going to get. Next guy, do you think Deion Waiters is wearing a Heat jersey next year? Do you think Deion Waiters gets a massive deal from somebody? Give him the max. Give him the max. <laughs> do it, Brooklyn. Do it. Uh, Give him the max. <laughs> like, hey, hey, they say, they say, listen, we tried this crap with Tyler Johnson last year, and you matched. Watch this. And then they, just, <laughs> and they throw it at Deion Waiters. Let him be the king of Brooklyn. What do you That'd think? Be fun. That would be terrific. Give him like 20 shots a game. You think he gets a big deal? I think I think there's an argument to be made that he deserves one. And here's why, Chris. Because we have this perception of him as just this like terrible bust, you know, that was in Cleveland and Oklahoma City. But maybe he actually did break through last year at Miami. Like, what if that was a breakthrough season and that he's still capable of replicating that with an even larger role? Like, what if, what if he is? Then then what does he deserve? You know, if that's the truth, because he could have just been a late bloomer in, in the NBA and at 25, 26 years old. Now he's about to enter his prime. You're paying for future production. And maybe Deion Waiters could be the guy that we saw last year in Miami. He shot 40 percent from three. 
at a pretty good volume. He was in his clutch, clutchest player in basketball, <laughs> according to himself, at least. He, he was really good. He was really good. Last one uh, was another name that I like, which is uh, that Toronto guy. I, I don't know why. I've always just had a soft spot, and I know he stunk in the playoffs, but Patrick Patterson. I think that's a good value for somebody. Um, Patterson, I think he's a good rotation guy to have. It feels like his value got really dinged. I thought I thought he was a guy that was going to be headed to making a lot of money this particular offseason, and then he just did not have the season that you want for a contract year or a playoffs that you want for a contract year. But I could see him getting in really good shape and, and being a really good value for somebody. That's what I think. Would you rather have him back than Serge Ibaka if you're the Raptors? Yes. I think I would, too. For the price? Patterson's really good. For the price, yeah, for, for sure. For the price, too, yep. Yeah. yeah he's pr- really, really good. I like Patterson a lot. Yeah, and and I don't think he had a a big enough year that he's going to get uh, that they're, that people are going to have to shell out for him, and so I think uh, he was one of the names I, I wrote down: Deion Waiters, Patty Mills, Jonathan Simmons, Patrick Patterson. There's some interesting names. Like those are guys. All four of them, I think, could be really good rotation guys for teams and could really help the cause. We see so many. Like because it's so hard to like whittle through, and there's a lot. As we know, there's going to be a lot of bums get money, um, a lot of money. Thinking that <laughs> from these teams that think they can really be helped, I actually think those are for, for free agents that like they could actually change things for a team, change the trajectory of whatever the team would be. Because in Patterson and 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 Ibaka, or I'm sorry, uh, Patterson and Mills case, those guys like. They can win on a second unit for you, right? They can, like, so many of these teams, we saw it. You're having to spend so much on your starting lineups that your bench just sucks. But those guys can, you know, really, uh, they can give you something uh, between those two. And I think Patterson's at a bad spot. Remember you gave that stat out about Toronto having, like, the least assist in the history of the world, (laughs) you know, throughout the season? I guy almost (laughs) give Toronto players a pass. Wasn't that the stat? The least assist ever. Yeah, it, it, it was it was some assist related stat. I I forget the the, the season was a blur, Chris. <laughs> well, let's just say that. Let's, hey, it, it, it's 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 uh, serious hyperbole, but I'm just gonna stick with that. Uh, Kevin O'Connor was, said that Toronto yeah. had the least assist of in the history of the world. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in soccer too, in every in every sport. Not, not just basketball. <laughs> <laughs> he is Kevin O'Connor from TheRinger.com. What did you say you're going to be writing this week? I'm writing something about the Spurs, what they might do, what they should do, why they should go for Blake Griffin. That's kind of going to be the focus. All right. So you think that uh, all these reports about them going uh, or that maybe mutual interest uh, with one Clipper, you're going to swerve and say the other one is the one to get. Yeah. Uh, I, I, what, I, what I'm proposing is like, just go. F- you're going for the wrong Clipper. Don't pay Chris Paul $34 million. Pay Blake like twenty five instead. Trade with Marcus Aldridge and shuffle the deck. That, that's my proposal. I'll be reading it. I think the Spurs should blow it up personally, but that's neither here nor there. Blow it up, Pop! Blow <laughs> it up, RC! He is Kevin O'Connor from TheRinger.com. If you dig what you're hearing, that's going to do it for another uh, Ringer NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, Chris. See you.